Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Four Center podcast feed. That means I am Ken Nabzok. And I am Joseph Scrimshaw. And we are happy to be with you all today in the Star Wars world to take a dive into a new book coming out that has excited Joseph and I. That's now, right. Now, now, Joseph and I, uh, jo- Joseph and I, like I'm addressing you, <laughs> Joseph and I. That's my new name. We we love Star Wars. We're uh, always passionate about Star yeah. Wars. But for some reason, this little book pops up, and we're going to talk about the secrets of the Jedi today in a little bit, of course. 
And you and I are both kind of raring to go on this. Absolutely. It's in the sweet spot of, I think, some of the stuff that you and I love about mm. Star Wars. There's lots of different things to love in Star Wars. Mm. Uh, two of them are Jedi and Secrets. And this book <laughs> is about both of them. There's so much cool about it uh, and just fascinating. That it's only four pages of teaser released. Yeah. And uh, we are already salivating. Absolutely. Yeah, I had to do the big zoom on the old computer screen. <laughs> did. I felt like old days. I did a big zoom and looked at the kind of dotty text. It's great. So we're going to be taking a dive into that. Luke point of view yaddle lots of yaddle all that coming here today we uh, before we dive into that we and, and the news want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by audible get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player a little bit later, we'll do our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And there's a lot of choices, a lot of new choices recent. So many. A quick programming note, I guess Joseph and I are uh, finishing up, or you have finished Thrawn Treason. Yeah. I am finishing up, and we're going to be taking a dive into that next week. Yeah. And yes, we skipped Alphabet Squadron, but it doesn't mean we're not reading it. We're going <laughs> to go back to that. It just uh, We wanted to kind of get a little more caught up on the books as well. Yeah. So part of my Star Wars Life Adventures, Joseph, was reading Thrawn Treason and taking the time to read Thrawn Treason. But did you have uh, – that's exciting. But did you have more exciting life adventures than I? Uh, I? Well, I had some fun life adventures, not a lot of Star Wars. I went to a fun uh, birthday party that was an 80s-themed dance party. Which is very, very fun. Everybody danced a lot to 80s music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really fun to be invited to an 80s themed party because some of the people, not all of the people there, were actually alive in the 80s. In the 80s. And at first I thought, oh, everyone will just kind of cosplay the 80s. But everybody dressed as their version of the 80s. <laughs> and I guess it was yet another, uh, from a certain point of view in real life kind mm-hmm. of thing of like, oh, I didn't even think that, of course. My friend who still likes the Go-Go's would be like, yes, the 80s to me are Go-Go's, <laughs> period. Like, uh, and uh, I wore a Guns N' Roses t-shirt and a Doctor yeah. Who jacket. So those are some of the 80s to me. Yeah. <laughs> I did, Well, I saw your photos. Uh, you and Sarah uh, each had, again, different interpretations. Yeah. I... I was trying to think of what would be mine, yeah. and I think it would be closer to yours. Not so much a Guns N' Roses t-shirt, maybe a town and country uh, yeah. t-shirt, <laughs> but I wouldn't be going all out. No, no, I, I don't have the beat. I don't yeah. have the beat. Um, so I enjoyed your interpretation. Yeah, it was a very, very, uh, very fun party. Uh, and then, yeah, my main Star Wars, actual Star Wars adventure was reading Thrawn Treason and then spending a bunch of time with my calendar going, how am I going to get up, caught up on all of the Star Wars books? How am I going to get caught up on life in general so I can be ready for November when right. a different thing is coming out pretty much every day? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of Star Wars content to absorb. That mid-November is becoming daunting. I, I now looks like I'll, I'll be possibly uh, traveling to D.C. for this gig right during that time. And uh, it's with my, our, our pal Mark Ellis. And I kept going, I think I have a conflict. I think I have a conflict. <laughs> and then I realized... Oh, the conflict is Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, like, that's not a conflict. I will go do this job. But is it on November 12th? It's it's November 16th. But okay. I was like, that's a little bit. Of I'll have time to get Mandalorian done. Like, I'll but I just I'm going to have to put down Fallen Order, which I know comes out a little, little bit. Early. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just weird that our minds are like, wait, there's a conflict. Oh, <laughs> it's Star Wars. Important going on like a loved one's birthday or no, no, it's <laughs> Jedi Fallen Order. Jedi Fallen Order. Indeed. <laughs> So that's a full life for yeah, you. Yeah, um, you've had life adventures, actual life adventures. Yeah, moving. This this is it's the longest move I've ever had. Yeah, because I'm moving in. I am moved in with, with my girlfriend Grace, which is going great. But 
she moved before me. I moved later. And so to try to do complete, it's been a month, literally a month of moving. That's so, so painful. Starting to lose my mind uh, a little bit. And then uh, we are recording uh, Ridge. This is old school four center. We've been recording at uh, Joseph's studio for the last couple of shows. Um, we'll be back in, in mind soon. But uh, you would be sitting on a box of my underpants. <laughs> if well, now I'm pissed that we're not there. <laughs> so we're getting that all set up. Been a lot of fun. In the middle of that, I, I, I had to shoot a, a little part in a short film by Robert Butler III and Cade Hughesby, two youngsters uh, I like working with, uh, the youngsters, uh, called Timestamp. And we're on location in Inglewood, California. Nice. And in a garage that this dude had been building, I say dude because you look at him, you're like, what's up, dude? Okay. He's just this, he was an older middle-aged dude with a Harley parked <laughs> by a bed. Beard? No beard. And um, one of those garages where you a lot of tinkering, a lot of, but it's very meticulously set up. So you had license plate frames from all over. You had a James Bond wall. I think oh, you would yeah. appreciated that. I am a Bond fan. His dog's yeah. name was Moneypenny. <laughs> And I got a, I kind of, I'll admit, I kind of prejudged this guy. He, he was, uh, he looked a little grumpy at first, right? And I'm a grumpy guy. I recognize grumpiness, but it turns out he was really cool. He was, he was sitting there. He had to sit on set all day and watch us. It's his place. He ran yeah. out to these kids um, to shoot. We shot in this little side thing and I went to set up, you know, get in place. And on the side of the wall, uh, I posted a picture of it was uh, a lobby card, but a promotional photo of Empire Strikes Back. Oh yeah. And it's a shot I hadn't really seen. It's Leia, Han, holding hands, Lando, and Chewie, and they're and they're. It's like Vader's point of view of them walking into the dinner. Okay, nice on Cloud little City. family portrait there. Right, yeah, it's fun. But I was talking to the guy, and he goes, "Well, it's because I just found it. It's numbered, and it's one of those things that you have to. The notes say, "Please return to Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox. It's their property, so they can destroy it." Oh wow! Because, but it, it survived, and I have it. And lobby cards are, I know one of my good friends had collected lobby cards. So it was kind of a little rare find. I don't know how rare, you yeah. know, I didn't take it off the wall. Um, <laughs> I didn't ask the guy for it, but it, he had it all just nice and corner. And I was like, Star Wars, and you say this a lot, Star Wars is everywhere. Yeah. You'll it's always l- find Literally, you turn around, it's behind you in a garage. <laughs> it really lo- <laughs> literally was like, is that Le- Oh my God, that's Empire Strikes Back. So. Turn around, Obo Rancisis might yeah. be behind you. You never know. Full life for both of, uh, Joseph and I. And of course, Jennifer, let's not forget, Jennifer is very much part of the team. Hope you guys are checking out our Happy Beeps episodes, the archives, and uh, very close to uh, bringing a Padawan into the world. We'll get an update from Jennifer too soon. Our thoughts are always with uh, Jennifer and her family. So we're going to dive into the news. I'll never do it as good as Jennifer. Uh, I, I try, but a couple items here. Again, voiding all leaks and spoilers as best we can. There's so many now, Joseph, that it's it's like that old uh, that Simpsons joke where they try to show Mr. Burns all the diseases and, uh, that he has and they're just stuck in the doorway. <laughs> I just, I'm like, I can't even, I'm not even bothered by yeah, it. Right yeah, some accounts have been muted in my personal life because <laughs> yes. I don't want the total, total spoilers. Yeah, because it also puts you in weird context. You and I always talk about the context spoilers. We would just like, yeah. even if you're not sure... I don't want to know when X character meets Y character. Yep. I think after 42 years of the Skywalker saga, I would rather learn things from the storytellers rather than a Danish Lego or whatever the hell it is. (laughs) So true. (laughs) 
<laughs> so true. But our first headline comes from the most important event that happens at least four times a year. Uh, this is the uh, Scrimshaw coined IgerCon for Q3. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and the big thing coming out of it is Galaxy's Edge attendance. Low. And it's kind of confirmed, which, of course, means Star Wars must be dead. We've been talking about this. <laughs> But it's in the news again, so we wanted to wanted to come up because uh, Bob Iger and CFO Christine McCarthy uh, uh, addressed it directly and confirmed the reports. And in a way, uh, confirmed the reports of lower, lower overall attendance at Disneyland. Iger saying himself that they turned uh, Disneyland into a ghost town with Galaxy's Edge. But we've talked about this a lot. Uh, you could pull whatever you want to make your story work, right? good or bad. But I think there's some familiar and logical, I consider them, uh, I'll editorialize there, logical talking points that keep popping up. Um, uh, prices of, of the park, prices for the families. Iger brought up hotel prices in the area that the hotels around kind of went, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we'll get you Star Wars nerds. Uh, expected crowds. Uh, you're not going to fly out from Florida if you know the park's opening up in Florida later. Yeah. Uh, part, you, know, you and I talked off air off time. Like, are we going to get there? Well, it's going to be busy. Let's wait. I think a lot of people did that. Uh, and then also this one, you know, I, I, you were there. I want to lean on your expertise of actually attending. Uh, too good of line management is kind of <laughs> one of the things. Um, but Iger talked about guest satisfaction and interest remaining high. Uh, so let's just start, Joseph. Or do these reports temper our joy of Star Wars? Do we do you get affected by hearing Star Wars is dead because Galaxy's Edge lines are small? Yeah, I mean, I think it is uh, uh, people lined up uh, on different uh, different sides is, is a little bit dramatic. And, and I, I do think um, the way we talk about things on social media enhances the sensation that mm. there are people with pitchforks waiting for Star Wars to fail because they're mad at it versus right. there are people who, you know, Star Wars can do no wrong. I think the majority of fans are just take mm. things as they um <laughs> they are, which is, <laughs> yes, it is a little bit down for all yeah. of these incredibly logical reasons. And we're also saying down, I believe, 3%. Yes. It is down 3%. And yes. the point of this, this is not, this IgerCon isn't what is the, you know, uh, heartbeat of Star Wars and is it on, you know, a respirator. This is a money report. And yes, yeah. it is 3% down. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I worry about things like this being used as a battleground for opinions yeah. about Star Wars when I think it is absolutely all the things that Iger and Disney are saying. Like, yeah, yeah, we jacked the prices. Yeah, we, um, a thing he didn't focus on enough is we blocked almost entirely SoCal resident passes right. and severely limited annual passes. Yeah. Like when we were going... Uh, Sarah and I were like, maybe we should just buy a SoCal pass because we're going to be back in January when they open up, uh, you know, Rise of the Resistance. Yeah. And like, we can't. Like, yeah. we they would have sold us an annual SoCal pass, right. but they blocked all of Disneyland. See, I'm so glad you brought up the number 3% too. Yeah. We're, we're talking... <laughs> small hit in the pocket, yeah. you know, and we can make all the jokes about Disney and their money. You know, they lost a lot of money with the Fox thing going on. The, the quarter was bad. All these kind of big business things. But I like what you said. That that's another thing. SoCal people aren't going as much. Yeah. Uh, I know people who go to Disneyland three times a month. Yeah. Those day-to-day people yeah. aren't going. And that's why the rest of the park is getting hit because yeah. I know for certain there are several uh, families and young people who'd be more than happy to just go 
and do the normal Disneyland stuff yeah. and not crowd Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's interesting. It's going to be a talking point. And yeah, we're, we're not here to even combat or fight uh, or stand up against those on the Internet who would use this to destroy Star Wars. They're going to get their clicks. I think everyone knows that we are, we are at Force Center Believe and, 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 and how we choose to celebrate things. It, it it does affect me sometimes. I'll click not interested as much as I can on the YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I really think when you look at it logically, it all makes sense. Yeah. And also just from an experience point, I, this is anecdotal. It's not scientific, mm-hmm. but just from the experience. Yeah. We picked a Tuesday that uh, the great Disneyland tracking service, you know, is I, whatever it's called, is the park crowded. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Predicted a, this is going to be a fine day. It's not going to be overcrowded. In fact, it's a best bet. And it mm. remained that way to that morning. We still had to get online at 7 a.m. to make sure we reserved our space wow. in August Cantina to make sure we reserved our space uh, to build my lightsaber yeah. at Savvy's. The park felt extremely full like there was no like oh this isn't it was full there were humans everywhere yeah you had to take turns to get a picture in front of the millennium falcon and wait for the big crowd of people to pass you by oga's cantina was running behind because they couldn't get everybody in fast enough savvy's was running like uh, 45 minutes behind by the time i got in it there was there's no way Mm. a rational human would have the experience that I had mm-hmm. at Galaxy's Edge and go, this is failing. <laughs> this is big picture, yes, 3%. And yes, it's anecdotal. I might have been there on a day that it was more solid. Sure. But just like, I, I think that's the thing is for people who are maybe just seeing these headlines, it is not like Kylo Ren is standing there alone while the tumbleweed rolls by, you know? It is. It has some bumps, absolutely. Star Wars must be dead. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just not. That was not my experience at all. Yeah, yeah. and as somebody who's, who's spent a lifetime going to Disneyland, being a, being a SoCal person, grandparents lived, a, oh, still, my grandmother still does, a block away. I can hear the fireworks every night. <laughs> There's only one day that I've ever known to be almost empty. That's the Monday after Thanksgiving. I think I've talked about it before. The other, other than that, a light day, you're still having to battle the crowds. So yeah. head on out, folks. Head on out. Star Wars is alive. Batu <laughs> is waiting for you. Exactly. Uh, this headline, Star Wars rolls out, rolls out on Star Wars Kids. <laughs> Hopefully that makes Jennifer <laughs> proud. This one kind of slipped under the radar screen uh, for, I think, some folks. Roll uh, under the radar. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, we're going to keep it going. Uh, I, I'm referring to a nice interview on StarWars.com with James Waugh discussing the new animated series of shorts from Hideo Itoyanagi. Uh, Now, this is on Star Wars Kids, but there's some things I love about this. Uh, This is something he did on his own. Hideo uh, did uh, just some, you know, I guess we'll say fan stuff. I don't know. uh, That's just a general term right now. Gets on their radar screen. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy goes to Japan in December 2017 to promote The Last Jedi meets with him and says here, um, uh, did I pull a quote? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I, that's James Wells quote. That's not the one, um, pulled. Uh, she says, I want you to do, do yeah. these for us. For yeah. Lucasfilm. Do them for real. Imagine for Lucasfilm. That. Yeah. Imagine that Joseph Kathleen Kennedy comes to you and says, love and data bank brawl. 
We need you to go do them for us. Yeah, I Which, know. Which, by the way, is possible. It, it, totally possible. Yeah, I'm sure they want a gonk droid to smash Theo Bibble's face officially for Lucasfilm. No, but it is it is a great uh, counterpoint to the truth that Disney and Lucasfilm are large corporations mm. that continuing the spirit of George Lucas instead of just suing everything blanket right. to going like, hey, you did that out of love. Let's make it, uh, and it's really cool, and it fits a need we have. Let's roll it in. Roll it in, and this is um, uh, James Waugh, who, uh, full disclosure, is someone I know. I have worked with uh, indirectly through my friend Christian Harloff on a series of YouTube videos years ago. Uh, James is a good dude, and he says this about uh, the project. As Star Wars evolves with each passing year, it's important for us to find new, lighthearted, and kid-friendly expressions of the franchise that still carry the heart, soul, and adventure of its original form. This is... This is a big push, uh, Joseph, and, and I know James has a couple kids. Yeah. And Star Wars can be passed on to generations with the movies. That's the intention. But I think in this day and age when you're competing for everything where toys aren't flying off the shelves because uh, everything that's on a phone or an iPad, and I know I'm jo- I joke, I sound like an old dude. Yeah, I get it. But this is the new age. And Star Wars Kids with Galaxies of Adventures and now this is bringing something different. Yeah, it's uh, hitting the kids where they live on, yeah. on the iPad, which, yeah, I mean, uh, there's nothing like uh, stupid. I, it's just it's just the truth, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, uh, these were uh, – one of the, the really cool things to me is the original uh, thing that the, this person made is still up on YouTube. Oh, is it? The original yeah. one? Okay. And it's really, really funny. It's like a minute and a half long, and it is just uh, a recap of Force Awakens. And it's really funny because you know the context, and it's yeah. friendly. You know, like, and it's, I don't want to, like, ruin too many things, but just, like, things happen suddenly, and you, like, you wouldn't quite know what it is from just watching it, but yeah. from watching knowing the movie, you know, like, yep, that's what happens next. Kind of like ridiculous jumps in time and things happening quickly. Uh, check that out. Yeah. So I, so I, it's really funny. I watched the first one okay. with BB eight and it is, it's very funny. It's very much got the spirit of adventures serial mm. of like, it's yeah. just BB eight's bad day. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it almost reminded me of watching like a silent comedy. From like the twenties. Oh, awesome! Because it's just like, oh, BB-8's got a problem. Whoops! Oh, he's got another problem. What? Oh, he's got another problem. Bye. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I meant to only watching the tease, but uh, I love the design. So the design is basically everyone is a BB unit, yeah, including the porks. And I gotta tell you, I want a Ray BB-8, yeah, or a BB unit. Like I want you. You you already got built-in toy marketing <laughs> going because I'm like, oh, I absolutely want. I want Finn. It's a Finn head on a round stormtrooper body like it's awesome design yeah yeah i think there's something really cool about it because it reinforces that the design of star wars the characters the locations is iconic yeah which means you can distill them and change them and put them in different forms Hmm. and they are still recognizable like that's very cool that you can take almost any character from star wars turn them into a rolling ball, and then go, oh, that's Gus Tours, <laughs> Which, who is in the BB-8. And, and, and then Vober Dan rolls by. It's so great. Yes, and that is uh, the kind of fandom I think you, me, and a lot of people listening react to. Yeah. Of, that's part of like, cool, Finn. Oh, there's Gus Tours. Oh, there's one of the most absurd action yeah. figures ever made. Okay, Which meant, nice. Which meant uh, uh, Hideo uh, Itoyanagi had to design him. Yeah. And sat there and went, ooh, Gus Tours. 
Let me turn him into a ball. Like, I love that stuff. Uh, what, what value? I think we kind of know the answer, but I, I'd love to hear your thoughts, too, here, because you watch uh, one of these series. What value do projects like this, Forces of Destiny, Galaxies of Adventures, and the Freemaker Adventures have in spreading this generational, new generational love of Star Wars? Yeah, I, I think it is definitely just uh, speaking to kids, either, like, being in locations that they already are, like, you know, on the Internet or uh, Disney XD or Disney Kids or wherever the various places of these have played but i think there's uh there's two things to me there one is let's remember that star wars is always going to have a spirit of fun Mm -hmm. uh you don't have to like it you can be much more into like sith lords and bounty hunters and you don't have to watch these but this is a good way to say like hey remember this is uh this is a sense of fun is one of the many ways to approach star wars so just uh encouraging you know, it's it's great for me to like. Sometimes I'll get a little hung up on canon or whatever, and go like, "Oh, I want that question answered," or "What does that mean?" or "Is that source really canon?" And that's very very fun to do. Yeah. But then uh, when one of these when Gus tours literally rolls by, that's a fun little wake up moment for me to go like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Let go. Listen, listen to the wisdom of uh, of the Jedi Masters. I love so much. Let go and enjoy the fun dumb balls too. <laughs> That's part of it. Balls. Enjoy the dumb balls. Um, uh, yeah, and all of that is to, to to say I think that as Star Wars continues to grow in this new era, especially as the Skywalker saga wraps up, mm. I really want a buffet approach to Star Wars. Yeah, from Lucasfilm of like it can be many things. No one has to love them all to be a Star Wars fan. You can say, hey, you know what? I, I'm not a dumb ball guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a the Mandalorian only guy. Yeah. Uh, or I'm like, yeah, the Mandalorian doesn't do it for me, but damn, I'm loving everything on Star Wars Kids. That's and everything in between. Yeah, that's great. A reminder and well said there. Look, Forces of Destiny brings in canon answers. That's one of the things that appeals of, the, of that show. Uh, but again, we can get caught up on, okay, so that's how Leia got her dress. And that's what O'Hara was there and said that to Han. Yeah. And instead of just pulling back a little bit into enjoying some stuff, I, I, you know, you and Jennifer are a big fan of the Freemaker adventures. Yeah. Which would probably really frustrate canon junkies if they sat down and watched some of it. And it's, it is a lesson to release. Yeah. <laughs> release. <laughs> so Star Wars rollout is out there. I will let you know when I get my hands on a Ray BB-8 unit. It happens soon. Final big story here. John Williams allegedly working on 135 minutes of music. What's the source of this story? Don Williams, brother of John. <laughs> to this moment, I did not know Don Williams existed. This is entirely <laughs> like my childhood when my brother made me name my Luke Skywalker. Skywalker action figure Duke Starkiller before we even knew Starkiller was a thing he just we both had him and mine had to be not him Don Williams is like a clone that went yeah. slightly wrong of John Williams yeah. Isn't, that's so fascinating and, uh, he does this line of work too he's a was it Tim P- Panis oh, I didn't write it down Tim Panis Tim Panis thank yeah. you um, Timpanist probably Tim, Tim, yeah he, he's got skills um, uh, but he said at a recent panel and I'm going to read this to get it right because it almost sounds not real at the Academy of Scoring Arts of Los Angeles that's right a panel was there and he said that John has prepared 135 minutes of music familiar themes will be buried throughout like a little emotional treasures which is john's kind of style and don does does say that he says specifically every theme you ever heard is going to be compiled in this last effort everyone leia yoda phantom darth all of it's going to be in there and they've recorded 34 minutes of music so far the big question all caps are we excited how much does this make you look at the runtime where are you at yeah phantom phantom (laughs) 
Yeah, like I love that list. Like Fan- Leia, Yoda, Darth, Phantom. Like which Darth? What Phantom? <laughs> like I obviously I understand what Don is saying. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is so so thrilling on so many levels. Um, I, we just got a question recently that I was gonna uh, pull uh, for for a future episode about exactly this. Of okay. please let him pull in some prequel music because it's all one story, right? This yeah. guy. And to me, like hearing that is great to to hear that uh it's going to be looking back makes it also i am excited for the new because i think star wars so much is a cocktail of the old and the new and this could be all about reinterpreting the the old themes but i want to hear some new stuff too but just knowing the yep one story all uh all nine films represented excites me very much absolutely does we were talking about some williams work recently and, and you brought up that great point of like i hadn't even really thought Stop to think about what I'm going to hear in episode nine, and I am really like uh, like across uh, across the, the stars. Yeah, I want to hear that. Uh, I've been listening to that theme a lot more recently, and I'm like, oh, I didn't, I never really stopped to appreciate this uh, at the time. Yeah, and Anakin and Padme's love is it have anything to do with nine? I don't know, but yeah. I want a beat or two of it. I'm excited for. A, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, Duel of the Fates. And like, yeah. it, it's also just really exciting for, uh, I think, people who like to go deep on Star Wars of like, how does it fit in? Well, Luke using the Force and hearing mm. the binary sunset theme, oh, yeah. of course. But Duel of the Fates, like, that's a, tied to a specific moment, a specific event. Right. What moment would that make sense to come back and in what way, you know, that's so exciting to think about. And as far as the runtime, 135 minutes does not mean the movie's going to be 135 minutes. In fact, it could mean it's, it's more, mm-hmm. I think generally scores run a little shorter, uh, uh, than the movies themselves, but also it's no science here. Yeah. Um, so if you're seeing some of those articles, which I am, uh, from weird websites that end in dot net dot blurg dot something, <laughs> um, that does not, this is not locking in any runtime, but Joseph, this would this make me think we got a, a nice size movie coming. Yeah, it, it suggests to me that the current runtime of whatever the edit is is over two hours, yeah. which is thrilling to me. I have honestly gotten so excited for a movie that is more than two hours mm. uh, that when I saw it was only a little over two hours. I was like, yes. come on. Yeah. More. I just feel like we're living in a world where Avengers Endgame and many other movies, but Endgame in particular, mm-hmm. has really made the point that if the movie is made well, you don't feel the three hours, yeah. other than small bladder types like me must prepare. Yeah. Uh, but it, the, the old wisdom of, well, you can't get in enough showings, right. was just thrown out of the window uh, thrown out the window with Endgame. Absolutely. So if this story needs it, which I kind of think it does, yeah, uh, then I'm thrilled for it to be longer. It makes me think if Endgame had come out in 2000, uh, 99, <laughs> um, not only would the prequels be maybe a little longer and, and George could get more of a story in, but like Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson would have got oh. maybe his four hour wish. Oh, yeah. Know? They would have been in the yeah the extended editions that everybody yeah. loves would have been in the theater. No problem. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. One of the many things in game did very well yeah. to kind of blow that out of the water. But I think that the big thing to me to to make it make me think that it is worth telling a longer story is that Endgame is long because it cares about many of the characters and wants to make sure that we spend time and beats with all of them to complete their arcs. And a pretty consistent um, complaint, even from people who love Star Wars and love the sequel trilogy, is, oh, I wish we had more time with X. 
or wish mm-hmm. so-and-so was like. And you look at the way both Force Awakens and Last Jedi are constructed, some of the way they're constructed is to make sure that at least five to six to seven characters mm-hmm. have an arc. Yeah. And when we're dealing with this real wrap-up, mm. we need to spend some quality time with all of these people to make sure they're they're served by the story. Well said. I, I don't like long movies just for the sake of long movies. And even though I'm not a huge MCU fan, I mean, I, I've seen every single one of them and enjoy a lot. <laughs> I always have to clarify. And if you catch me on certain levels of rum and diets, I'll, I'll maybe say more harsher words than I intend to. But I loved Endgame and I loved sitting down and it didn't feel long. And it felt like, oh, this served all the characters, like you just said, and, and wasn't a... I'll use a, a, a an Oasis '90s rock reference. Their third <laughs> album, "Be Here Now," was all cocaine and ego, and every song was ten minutes, and everything was just because we can. And they've years later admitted it was a bad album because of that. <laughs> Not like a lot of songs on there as a huge Oasis fan, but Endgame didn't feel that way. I don't want Star Wars to feel that way, and, and I'm, I'm even more confident here in this. Yeah, we got some. Yeah, absolutely. So that is a dive into the news. There's little things that always pop up. You know we like to get to it. We have the time and, and, and a moment to reflect on it on Force Center. So we'll get to more stories next week if we missed any and any that pop up between now and the recording hitting the air. But before we get into the main story, we like to do our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. That is right. And we always like to try to find a book that relates to our main theme. So I was thinking about Jedi Secrets and Luke Skywalker and what came to mind is Legends of Luke Skywalker by Ken Liu. It's got some stories I love and then some really weird stuff with Salacious Crumb. This book is a Star Wars buffet. So uh, we suggest that you go ahead and put that buffet in your ears and see which dishes you like. Absolutely. Do you like Space Fleas? This one might be the book for you, but there's actually a lot of great stuff in there, especially after The Last Jedi came out. A lot of it ties to that. To do- download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. Try one out on us and help the show. Dir- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Directly, now it is time to reveal the secrets of the Jedi. That is right. So we are going to dig into this. We are going to start picking apart a book that has not yet been released. That's how excited <laughs> we are about it. So uh, the news yeah. item is basically the book called The Secrets of the Jedi. It's by Mark Sumerak. Sumerak, I apologize, I do not know how to pronounce the name. It's going to be released like everything in the galaxy in November, on November 19th, 2019, from Insight Edition. So clear a little more time in your schedule as well. Uh, there are a bunch of interesting things about the book. Uh, StarWars.com released four pages. So we were able to zoom in as Ken and I were talking about the beginning. So we're going to zoom in and, and talk about the specifics. We're going to have some general talk as well. Last kind of piece of information about this is it is a young reader or all ages type book. So I, I don't think that we're expecting a 200 page tome. And it is uh, a book that has interactive features. Uh, The description says that there's going to be a pop-up holocron, a translator card, and a Jedi equipment booklet. So this is a little bit more of a resource, learn the galaxy type book. But I think it's got a lot of us kind of hardcore fans excited because unlike some of those books that are just like, here's information that you all know, this is presented by Luke. Yeah. And so far in those four pages they've seen us, there's certainly some like, yep, we know all those things about Kiati Mundi already. Mm-hmm. But there's also stuff that like, whoa, this is new and potentially really exciting canon stuff. So mm-hmm. it's a really interesting mix. Do you have general thoughts just on on that, on what this book is? Yeah, and, and when I heard about it in passing, it was I. I, I think I was uh, getting ready for a, a Jedi Council, and I, said, and I saw the new story, and we weren't covering it. Yeah, and I thought, eh, okay, and, and I'll admit, even though I'm reading all, all the YA stuff or everything, I saw, oh, okay, it's like geared towards younger, and then I stopped because it was like from the mind of Luke Skywalker, essentially, and that immediately made me like, wait a minute, what? Like, I love points of view. You and I love points of view. Uh, we know where Luke's mind went yeah, and his view of the Jedi. So now immediately brakes are pressed. I'm looking at what's going on. Yeah. And then the picture with the, the illustrations are pulling me in. Yeah. 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 That, we, we will talk about one yeah. particular one, but they're, they're great. They have this sort of wispy quality, like secrets, like memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's from Luke's perspective. Let's talk a little bit specifically about that of why is that specifically more exciting to you than 
a generic holocron or just who some ray found this in a cliffside and we don't know who wrote it or maybe it's from the wills or any other sort of mysterious source I'm excited because we talked about already, but Luke's mind at this time, it's supposed to be, and we'll talk about the time frame a little bit, but I'm just intrigued by that versus just a Wikipedia style <laughs> entry of yeah. what it is. Those help, believe me, we need them, not just for data make brawl, or I will sometimes, and I'm sure you do as well, I'll just, maybe I'll watch a video from my buddy Alex at Star Wars Explained, or I'll go to Wikipedia directly and just read like the battle of endor wait a minute wait a minute what, what was the order again like what you know, yeah what I, exactly <laughs> happened in what order and why yeah sometimes i want that i am a, a big reader of history books yeah uh, and those those generally are factual right just like from a, a distance let's look at the f- real shootout of the okay corral and give you the but i am also interested interested by wyatt earp telling his version which was Half truths, half <laughs> lies. Uh, I'm interested about what Luke would bring to this. Now, I will to say I'm going to already temper my expectations, not just because it's geared towards a younger reading crowd. And younger, I mean, again, we're not talking five-year-olds. Um, I know it's not going to be perfect uh, perfect to, to my standards of Luke being, I did not like what Obi-Wan. And it's going to be, there's going to be, it's going to be more subtle than that. It's Yeah, yeah. it's, I mean, from the four pages that released, there are some interesting things. There's some things yeah. that are certainly from Luke's perspective where he yeah. is telling you what he thinks after his research and where he is at emotionally. So it certainly is from Luke's perspective, but it is also in encyclopedia. It is, it, it's a, Wikipedia entry where uh, Luke has gone in and re-edited everything. That's <laughs> said, a great way to say it. <laughs> this is my Wikipedia entry on the uh, Luke, on the Jedi. Lukeopedia. Lukeopedia. That's a great uh, way to say yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm excited uh, for the thing in general because I think it's easy to lose track of hmm. that um, the story of the Jedi and the downfall of the old Republic and what Luke was doing in between uh, the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, it all gets twisty Mm. and it's buried lots of different places. So if you're like a, I don't know, an eight year old, a nine year old who's like, I really like it, but I don't quite get it all. Mm. This is so great to have it. Just like, here is the story of star Wars in terms of the Jedi in, in simply put terms in chronological order. So younger fans can follow along. So that, that by itself has more value. I was thinking about it and realized yeah. that's more valuable than I thought. Because it is a twisty story and can be confusing. That they were the heroes, but they were duped into doing mm-hmm. the war. And then how how is Anakin a hero just because this happened? Like All that those kind of questions. That's a great point because we talk about trying to spread the love of Star Wars to generations. Like I... I it, 9, 10, 11, 12, and yep, make all the jokes. I'm still at that age mentally. <laughs> I, I This would have been a book I just would devour. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, just for the reasons you said. Okay, that started here, and then ends here. I did that with everything, anything that I'd love. Uh, you know, baseball history books, uh, uh, Star Wars as a kid, obviously, from what we knew. Um, you know, that's why I devoured, oh, okay, and Return of the Jedi in the novel. Obi-Wan said that, and then I, I mentally put it on this little timeline. That's, I right. think we all do that as fans. I would eat this book. I'm going to eat this book up now. Yeah. But I would this at, at 12, this would have been the, my most read Star Wars book. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for that in those general reasons. But the Luke perspective, there's something really validating about this is his life's work. This is he what he went about doing after Return of the Jedi is saying, I want to know everything mm. about the Jedi Order as much as possible. So it's fun to kind of see. This feels like a validation yeah. of the adventures of Luke Skywalker. Uh, and I think there's also, it's such a big theme in Star Wars that 
the past does matter, but how much does it matter? We can learn from it, but we need to move on. So it just seems like a book like this of like mm. Luke in this specific time saying, I want all of this written down Yeah, is really evocative of that theme of the past matters. I mean, think, just think about a new hope and think about how much Luke is motivated by his past. He wants to be a Jedi because of this father that he never met. Right. Because this old man that's been his guardian that he doesn't know why tells him stuff about his past. It's, 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 it's deep star Wars connections, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and, and already poking through it here, I know I'm going to love it, but like, there's part of me that's like, could you also do an adult version? <laughs> Yes, because uh, this is you know I've I've talked about it before. Uh, the, the George R. R. Martin put out Fire and Blood Part One, which is a history of the Targaryens, and with a lot of things that he does, that's like uh, Song of Ice and Fire adjacent. The the history books, the maps, they're always told from someone's point of view because George loves these character perspectives. Yeah. So you're not going to get all the truth. It's it's my favorite experience because it's told from one maester's point of view, looking back on the history of Targaryens, and it reads like a novel. It's fun. So these kind of things, I, I hope I hope Star Wars does even more of these. I hope so projects. too. I really really hope so. Uh, let's talk a little bit about when Luke is writing this. So the answer will probably be clear yeah. from the rest of the book. And again, we've seen four pages. It is quite possible that there are only four more, and the rest is pop up holocrons. <laughs> like this might not be uh, just a pump the brakes a little bit on my own enthusiasm, uh, but the book might clarify a little bit more exactly when Luke is writing this. But so far, from what we can see, yeah. uh, it is after. It must be after Ray has left the island because there's a page that discusses Ray arriving mm. and his realization that she is looking for not not for a hero actually. But she's looking for a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless it's like what he is writing uh, while she is on the island, I get the, the sense. And again, this is a book for kids. Maybe it's not going to be obsessive about exact canon. But I get the sense it's either it's between when Ray left the island and his death or, you know, written from beyond. Yeah. Uh-huh. How, how do you feel about when it should be written and, and how that changes the story? We have to. I have to take uh, the, the lesson we just talked about earlier. <laughs> where I, I initially did see that and was like, ah, no, 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 no. He didn't have enough time. He didn't have enough time. There's no way. But could he have been working on this his entire existence uh, yeah. after Jedi? Could he have been part? This is part of his research and uh, sitting on an island going, all right, I think I'm going to get on out of here. I'll write some of my final thoughts down and put it in this tree. And eh, I want to burn the tree down. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, so yes, releasing myself. And, and I like your idea too. Maybe, maybe in episode nine, this is what he's, he hands the book over. <laughs> I finished it. <laughs> Passing it from the other realm into this one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wh- whether or not the book is going to care to get that nerdy about something that is a guide mm-hmm. for young readers. Uh, regardless of that, I love the idea that it is after Ray has left the island. Yeah. So he, Luke knows that he's going to get back in the fight in his own special way. Right. So that is being written from a perspective where the wounds and the critiques of the Jedi are fresh, but Luke has returned to a place of hope. That just feels to me right from the text that we've seen so far. And I just kind of want it to be that because I think, you know, Luke does spend a good amount of time in Last Jedi being being grumpy and being and working through his problems. But I feel like his return to hope, his willingness to act is so triumphant. Mm. And I would, it would be awesome to me if this was a place where that was celebrated, where the last page is him. He's like, Ray, here's Yoda visited me and he reminded me of this. And he reminded me that yes, power is dangerous, but if you have power, you have a responsibility to act. 
So I decided to help. I think that and ha- realized I was I was wrong. I you think, know, I think that has to be addressed because if this is the story of the history of the Jedi and it's the secrets of the Jedi, yeah, and it's obviously going to be, hey, there's some mistakes, and but at the end of the day, we always as Jedi have to choose like Qui Gon did choose the light. And I think that's a powerful message. George Lucas approved. Yeah. So. Again, is it, is it going to be canon details for folks like you and I to get notebooks out and be like, all right, what was Luke? No, but I think it has to point back to that. Yeah. But I'm like you now. I'm looking at this. I'm like, is this just it? And then we got a, a list of Jedi tools. I don't know. No, <laughs> it could be. Gonna, but if this is all good. it is, it'll yeah. be it'll be exciting. Uh, so we've talked about this. It's explicitly for young readers. And yet you and I, people who are not old but not young, we are very excited about it. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I, I'll make my jokes, and there's a balance, believe me. Um, but this is what Star Wars is about, and and it, because it's telling one big giant story, even the standalone stories, uh, and it all comes from the same kind of you know myth and, and fairy tale and, and and morality tale and all that kind of stuff. I absolutely just absolutely enjoy these kind of things. Yeah. I think before Lost Stars, I got to admit, I don't think I was I was not planning on reading Lost Stars. Yeah, because of YA, and I got friends who write in YA. You've got friends who write in YA. Ah, no, that Star Wars is above any kind of designation. <laughs> Ages seven to twelve on those Lego boxes, yeah. just a suggestion. <laughs> and I and I think I approach it all with uh, gusto. Yeah, yeah, I think that is a, a great spirit, and I also just kind of like that uh, since we know everything is monitored by a story group. Mm-hmm. Um, that there are decisions, that there's no way some of the juicier bits that we're going to talk about just happen to fall into this without somebody going, sure, yeah. And I like that idea that uh, if you are a big canon junkie, that mm-hmm. the secrets of the canon, the ideas of the canon are sprinkled everywhere. Yeah. And you have to embrace lots of things to go find them, you know, and get excited about a kid's book with a pop-up holocron. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you, you and I uh, and Jennifer, when when she's uh, around, we talk about the emotional canon for a reason. Uh, you know, this big, giant, connected MCU-style story doesn't exist in Star Wars. Correct, uh, it's all connected, but the through line of emotions and and the lessons is definitely there. And just like you said, you you have to go all around the buffet. Yeah, sometimes it's in the croutons, <laughs> other times it's in the uh, taco stand. Yeah, um, always money in the banana stand, and always emotional canon in Star Wars. Great. Well, let's let's eat this young reader buffet. Yes, I'll rephrase that the next time I say it. Anyway, let's uh, dig into a little bit of the details from again these four pages. Uh, so. There are so many things I could uh, pick, but I wanted to, to center on the ones that uh, fascinated us. And I think I've seen from the Internet, really excited Star Wars fans. So uh, one of them is just the description of the origins of the Jedi. There's a fun thing where he says, you know, the Force is very ancient. And it seems like the Jedi have been around almost as long as the Force itself. Yeah. Which is a really, really interesting idea. Uh, but then it, what, what really jumped out at me is the Jedi are described as a simple religious sect devoted to the light side of the Force that they grew into this organization with power and, you know, agenda and stuff like that. Uh, And then he describes the Sith as a rogue faction who embraced the dark side of the force. So uh, I don't think those are canon busters, uh, you know, especially depending on different stuff that's been said about the Sith and the Jedi in in the expanded universe. I don't think that's entirely new, but it's a really interesting way to look at the Jedi and the Sith. So, uh, saying that there's this small group of people who are just like, hey, the force exists and the light side is awesome. 
and start out as somebody is a collection of people, almost like a book club. It's just like, <laughs> isn't the light side awesome? <laughs> That's fascinating to me because it, it goes to the heart of that, uh, of what Luke's wrestling with in the last Jedi yeah. of inaction versus action. So if the Jedi truly started out as people who were just like, let's hang out on Octu, let's get up in the morning and just meditate and feel the power of the light side. Yeah. But then at some point they start acting. Yeah. And then that means there are people who are wanting to not only have power, but use power. And then you have to make choices. And then, oh, pretty soon there's a bunch of people who are like, yeah, but you know, uh, the cave at the bottom is pretty exciting. And yeah. as soon as they take a step in that direction, they suddenly become a rogue faction. Like you can see how Luke studying this would be go like, when did the book club go to killing each other across the galaxy? <laughs> when did the book club go to war? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so th- those are my sort of wh- why it excited me. Does it excite you? Are you interested uh, no, in those? No, absolutely. The first, uh, I'm going to try to read it as best I can. Uh, well, you summarized it. So, But he talks about being here, you know, the ancient text on Octo, and it seems the Jedi Order has existed nearly as long, talking about the Force and the Jedi Order. You know, again, it's a reminder to to longtime fans, especially those you know grew up with the original trilogy. We just associate. We hear the Force, we hear Jedi, and then we hear these bad guys and capes, the Sith guys. The Force definitely likes the good guys, and they're trying to fight the bad guys. And in a nutshell, I think that's accurate. Um, <laughs> but I love peeling uh, peeling layers to get to this kind of stuff. Exactly what you're saying. They're sitting around in October. How do you go from? Um, piece to grab weapons. Yeah, and it's and it's a tale we see a lot, and a lot of groups maybe start little one way with some good intentions, and then things happen. Boom! So right there in this book, it's a, it's making me think about the origins I put into my brain of the Jedi. Yeah, and about how naturally the the Force would just be like, "Cool, I'm on your team." Is that balance? It raises questions. I, 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 you know, I like the idea of this this uh, rogue faction who embrace the dark side. What a nice way to say it. Yeah, uh, you know that that they're just they're they're bad. Again, we we understand that, but like it's just their perspective on how to use this force, this energy that doesn't care. Yeah, but, but might care because it it gave us and it, I I don't know and it just. Already within one sentence, I'm spiraling into weird thoughts. Yeah, it's it's so fun. And, and, and for me, the ideas that I like and the way I interpret force and the balance, this idea that, oh, yeah, you can be aware of the dark side and you can respect that that is a reality. There is pain. There is anguish. You know, people die. Plants die. Planets die. It's sad. But the second that a force sensitive person goes, yeah, I'm all into that. Yeah. The actions that they take are immediately going to be things that are selfish and violent and destructive because yeah. that's what you have to do to be a part of the dark side. Mm-hmm. So then it gets to be this great circle where the Jedi are like, we just wanted to hum. But if you're going to go kill people, we have to stop yeah, you. Yeah. And hey, if if a Sith ignites their blade and is about to cut somebody down, that's really clear cut that we ignite our blade and block it. Yeah. But then by the time we're sitting in our headquarters going, should we go to war? Is that defense? It's so fascinating to yeah. me to get to what's is, uh, what's deep and, and powerful about Star Wars. Absolutely. And, and there are, you know, yeah, I, I don't think the Force is happy with the dark side. I want to clarify that. Uh, but yeah, I just, it, it, it love how it spirals. It yeah. just spirals from this idea of these folks sitting on Octo <laughs> with the caretakers <laughs> looking on. Yeah, we'll watch the place for you. Yeah. 
Oh, the porgs are luminous beans. Oh, did you just kill one? God, here we go. Here we go. Uh, all right. So there, there's so much uh, more that we can. By the way, you and I just did about 10 minutes on the first sentence of this book. Right? I know. I know. And I, when I was putting this together, I was really like, nope, nope. You yep. don't need to include that detail about Plo Koon's piloting skills. Let's move on. So we have so much to discuss. Uh, what we did have to discuss is the return of Yaddle. So there is a great section about uh, Force Visions. This is on the page that is discussing light side uh, abilities. And there's some really fun stuff in there about how, you know, different uh, that that you see things that may or may not happen. And sometimes you're left with more questions than answers. That's a great Luke detail. Like I've had more many visions, <laughs> but they've left me with more questions than answers. But the image to illustrate this is Yaddle. Uh, She is in a floating sort of meditating position. Uh, We see tentacles holding green blades, Mm -hmm. a maybe Death Star-like thing, some hands reaching out in a strange mass that has some sort of like beam energy connection to a Death Star-like object. It is such a great illustration of exactly what the text is saying, of like visions that might be accurate or might just be playing on your fears or maybe accurate predictions of the future. Plus, it's effing Yaddle. <laughs> what, yeah. what was your reaction to, to seeing Yaddle in, in this glorious way? I always love a good Yaddle appearance. <laughs> I think Charles Saul was uh, very happy to get Yaddle into that Vader line, right? And, yeah. and a vision sequence, too, as well. Um, I, uh, I love this because what it does for, for uh, Star Wars fanatics like us is it takes Opo Rensis or, or Coleman Trevor and give an entire story. We're waiting. We're waiting for it's not, again. It's not the entire Yaddle story. I know, but like we're just waiting for our blanks, the blanks to be filled in. Yeah, on Yaddle, the, the Yaddle blanks. And I think creators of of, of Star Wars uh, have that same type of love for the Gust Tours and Yaddle. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like when Phantom Menace came out for people our general age, I don't think there were a ton of Yaddle fans out there. I think that uh, there was a criticism of this was another thing that Yoda was mysterious. You know, the yeah. back of the top's trading card said nobody knows what his species is. Right. So then I remember, uh, uh, again, this is anecdotal, uh, but a lot of people I knew being like, oh, Yaddle takes away from mm-hmm. the mystery of Yoda and there being some anti-Yaddle feelings out there. Uh, and I, I always thought that Yaddle was funny and i've only enjoyed more just kind of her bizarre appearance and then you know i think she i think she died in the expanded universe canon and Mm. i think the current canon is that she left uh, the jedi order for an unexplained reason this horrible vision she's having (laughs) might be a little bit of like we're going to tell the story of why yada left but uh, the point of all this rambling is uh, at least from my point of view is a uh, uh, Yaddle was uh, received as a bad to weird character. Mm-hmm. And I love where we're at in Star Wars where we're reclaiming those characters to the point where we're where I'm legitimately excited for more Yaddle canon. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Again, uh, the creators have share these views because they sat in those theater too going, wait, what? And I, I, I definitely understand some of the mystique of Yoda being removed with a more character like i got it but i i remember just going hey it's a girl yoda (laughs) and moving on with my life and it just yeah but then you start becoming intrigued and so that generation who sat in the theater probably at 10 or like yeah what happened to the 
Yaddle. We need more Yaddle. And I just, <laughs> that really excites me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any takes on the actual illustration? What do you think Yaddle's uh, dreaming about there? I, I definitely think it could be something to do with the Death Star or, or the, the coming uh, tide of darkness. And, and we've had uh, a Master and Apprentice and Duke of Jedi Lost that deal very much with Anakin centric prophecies or things that we can attach to Anakin. So it would make some sense. And if she felt, oh, you know, maybe, hey, you got to take some action. There's a big death ball that's coming, <laughs> and, and there's some weird powers behind it. And now, uh, you know, thank, thanks, Yaddle. We're going to go deal with some trade disputes and stuff. Like, maybe she's, I'm out of here. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Yaddle did yeah. some of the uh, research that Lor Santeca eventually got his yeah. hands on. Uh, maybe Yaddle helped find Octu. <laughs> wanted to look back to the good old book club days. Awesome. Yeah, she, Something of hers is not in, in that lost and found gift shop oh, they have there. Yeah, day. that'd be so great. Um, all right, let's get on to, I think, what was the thing that I saw the people people on Twitter reacting about the most, mm-hmm. and that is the, the discussion of Jedi spirits. Um, so among the things that uh, Luke has to say is that they interact with the physical world. In particular, he says, mm. I didn't realize that uh, this was something that only a handful of Jedi could do. They was trained by the Force priestesses uh, to Qui-Gon, which is, this is all from Clone Wars, and passed down to a select few Jedi, including Obi-Wan, Yoda, and my father. We'll put a pin on the my father thing, and we'll talk the hell out of that. Don't worry. Yep. Um, but he says, at first I could only hear Obi-Wan. Then uh, I realized that he could manifest so I could physically see him and interact with the physical world. So when you read Interact with the Physical World, did you think this is justification for sitting on a log? <laughs> I think it all is, and I love it. You know, I think it's all, it absolutely is, and then it all leads to... You know, Yoda putting lightning on a tree. Yeah. Bopping Luke in the face with a cane. Bopping Luke in the face with a cane. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I really love that it can be interpreted as like, yeah, 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 yeah. He sits on the lock. But I, I, I do, I, to me, it's also like, this is one of the juiciest bits of canon of, yep, we saw Yoda use the lightning. We saw him bop Luke on the nose. And we even talked about like, well, maybe that's because it's Octo. Mm. But I've always been so intrigued by Obi-Wan Kenobi's line in Empire Strikes Back of if you choose to face video, you'll do it alone. You know, mm. I can't intervene. Mm. Um, and I get the sense that, like, you yeah. actually could. It's could. that you have really made the choice not to. Yeah. That it's more of a personal, like, I can't do that, you know. Um, so the interact with the physical world just really excites me because it is opens all of these doors to yeah. more storytelling with the Jedi spirits of makes sense to me. If you're like, if you're one with the force and you're full of wisdom and you're full of power, power goes to yeah. even Obi-Wan's Kenobi's line of all become more powerful than you could possibly imagine Yeah, that they're letting people have their destinies. Yeah. And they're intervening with wisdom when absolutely necessary, but it is also cool to think that if Obi-Wan Kenobi wanted to, he could just be like, that planet doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Bye. You know, that they are insanely powerful, right. but in their wisdom, they are simply they, guiding people on their own journeys. With great power becomes the need, but what's, how does kidding. great responsibility, yeah. <laughs> but I, I was going to uh, talk about that new Hope line too, you strike me down and, you know, become more profitable than you can possibly imagine. What, what does Obi-Wan mean? Yeah. It's not just going to be because he's going to talk to Luke in his head. It's got, I've always took that as something more. Yeah. And so to start getting some of those answers and, and, and I think that we, we're still getting them and we could see something spectacular in nine. Yeah. And this could be feeding into that a little bit, too. It, it's really exciting and clarifies, too, even from uh, 
I love Luke having the perspective of I don't know, when Obi Wan Ben started peering to me. I thought everyone could do it. <laughs> right. That's such a great example of Luke's perspective of why would he know? Oh, when Jedi die, that's what happens. Like, oh no, wait, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not suddenly going to be visited by <laughs> yeah. thousands of Jedi. It's these select few. Uh, cool. So let's get on to some uh, more uh, specifics. Uh, he says uh, Force Priestess training was passed down to a select few, uh, including my father Mm -hmm. so that's one of the juiciest ones the idea that the teaching was passed on to anakin um i did a whole star wars counseling episode about this about all the different possibilities of like well how is anakin there we've talked about it on the main show it's like was he only there for a fleeting moment Hmm. basically to say goodbye and then did he dissipate into the force and not have his own you know awareness of his own individual consciousness Mm -hmm. uh and all of that but where are you feeling right now what what do you think we know that anakin didn't train because he wasn't anakin he was vader right at least i interpret the star wars story that way yeah how are you interpreting it how 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 and when did he train in the same day that luke wrote this book i guess no yeah um i i'm always intrigued by how much of anakin did vader still use you know yeah basic skills we, we i get that kind of stuff but like this knowledge some certainly. of his knowledge is bigger stuff and what was that play here uh, this goes back I, I i want to continuously re-watch and study the mortis arc and also the the yoda stuff later on to to really tie into more of that cosmic force stuff that sometimes i just go <laughs> um i i i think uh i i think anakin might have done some stuff on his own towards the end Okay. Does that make sense? You mean like, you mean if you go all the way into the total idea that Anakin and Vader are almost separate. Almost separate. Like he was, his soul was actually ripped into mm. and Anakin's consciousness existed within Vader, but was dominated by Vader's power. Right. That there could be like a little winking Anakin beep, beep. soul. Uh, not so yeah yeah yes absolutely but not not so much that it's some weird split personality or or yeah you know uh um steve martin and all of me in 84 uh, <laughs> but but vader has lost time and realized that anakin <laughs> went out and saved people yeah 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 wakes up where was i last night um no but just that there's there's, there's a part of him that's still amassing some stuff i go i go to the um ahsoka's battle with him in rebels when when she breaks his helmet i, I i'm convinced being shadow that is that is anakin's eye looking at her and yeah. for a moment he's like uh 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 and, and and then vader wins again and he's been fighting vader's whole time so yeah i i think there could be some stuff he was keeping secret yeah and as he builds power towards the the man he loves and hates the emperor yeah yeah, interesting. Because he was, if he if he was exposed, if you remember anything from Mortis, like if I'm talking in story, yeah. you wake up and like, what was that adventure? Do him and Obi Wan and Ahsoka at sitting around and lunch? Hey, were we on a planet? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they remember some over? of the events of Mortis. He doesn't remember the specific vision of seeing Vader because that Correct. they made they, they really that, yeah, yeah. made really clear. Uh, I think uh, George Indoor Dave Filoni just did not want those fan mail. <laughs> like, wait, if he knew. Um, yeah, I, I think this goes to how you interpret the Vader Anakin split. Certainly, mm-hmm. of you can interpret it in a very like, no, his soul was you know consumed. He, yeah. Anakin didn't exist. Or you can go. This is how the characters choose to talk about it. Yeah. But this is a person who made incredibly bad choices, and in order to handle it emotionally. That's the way Vader talked about it. 
Anakin's dead. I killed him. But it could just be he's a person the way we understand being people. Right. And there's not any sort of, you know, glowing soul answer. It's he made these choices and he had to live with them. And he made a choice at the end to do something different. A, a, pr- a prisoner in that shell of Vader. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's that gets to really sort of deep uh, spiritual religious stuff and how yeah. you want to interpret that. For me, I really like the idea that part of the training of being a force uh, ghost, a force spirit in attaining that, that we see in that last Yoda arc is facing your dark self mm-hmm. and uh, realizing that you still always have more to learn, but also just the idea of being selfless. Right. And I think I like the idea that, well, in that moment where he saved Luke, he was being selfless. He was saving Luke, not out of a selfish, I can't bear to be without my son of, Mm -hmm. but just, I want my son to live and I don't care what happens to me. Mm -hmm. It's a selfless act in which he faced his dark self. So some amount of what, Yoda and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan had to go through in sort of ritualistic ways. He went through in an actual right. physical way. I like that idea. And then I just like the idea that, well, he's the chosen one and mm. he is different. He was partially yeah. made by the force. So this, this act allows him to retain his individuality within the force. And then whatever other training is required is happening within the cosmic force in this sort of, Mm-hmm. different way this different plane mm-hmm. is really interesting to me because i don't i would mm-hmm. never interpret it the way everything that has been discussed about jedi spirits i would never interpret it is if you know uh luke cut his head off right. and he died vader right that that he would at all be make that this would be at all possible i right. think that act of selfless sacrifice had to make this possible absolutely absolutely you said something earlier I'll dive into it. Almost not in the do, do you think, uh, do, what do you think uh, following Endor, the spirit of Anakin went? Yeah. Uh, do you have an answer in your head for that? For where it went? Just where like, he went? You, you said something that made me think of like, all right, so they're waving and Anakin's waving Hayden or Sebastian Shaw. Doesn't <laughs> uh, is he, is that it? Does he stick around them? Yeah. Well, because Yoda and Anakin definitely, uh, Yoda, excuse me, Yoda and Obi-Wan uh, talk to Luke. Uh, you know, Luke talks about, hey, they talk to me until I shut them off. Yeah. I, I, I feel like this is, to me, the single juiciest yeah. bit of potential yeah. canon lore in this entire four pages is that right. has always been the question. And it's even like, like we've said, like, oh, you can maybe imagine, well, Anakin then dissipated then. Right. But he says, they guided me for. Years. Yeah, and your notes highlight that question. I'm looking at, and, and it's it's 100 percent that, including Obi Wan, Yoda, and my father. Their spirits guided me for many years, but vanished when I uh, shut myself off in the Force. So, so this is potentially that really interesting stuff. Anakin and Luke had some chats. Yeah, right. So yes. this goes to like lots of interesting questions to me about what their relationship is, but also from what we see of the Force ghosts, Force spirits. It doesn't maybe Luke reaches a power where he can meditate and ascend and Mm. and say, like, I've got a question for you. Mm. But if you track when when and how Obi-Wan appears to Luke, Mm. Obi-Wan appears when Luke absolutely needs him to. When like, look, you're having all these adventures. You almost died again on Hoth. Mm -hmm. You need more training. Yeah, I'm I've I've let you follow your own path, but you got to go to Yoda now. And like what Luke says to to 
uh, R2 right before Obi-Wan appears on Dagobah is, mm. you know, I can't go on alone. Yeah. So Obi-Wan's really appearing to him when he absolutely needs to. So it's interesting to me to think that that's and same thing with Yoda. When Luke is at his lowest and needs him is right. when Yoda shows up. So if Luke is having adventures along the way, mm-hmm. it's interesting to think that Anakin would appear in a moment of absolute need that only Anakin could answer. Yeah, I'm even thinking like because Qui-Gon appears to Obi-Wan and, and that from a certain point of view, like during a stressful time, like, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and Obi-Wan has learned to commune. So I guess yeah. I guess Luke yeah. could be purposefully communing. Eventually. No, not eventually. I think but if, yeah, the, the original I, yeah. trilogy, not so much. You know, yeah. Still, yeah. Yeah. But again, this, but I, I guess my, I guess my bias when I think about yeah. it is that communing is like placing a call. <laughs> the four spirits right, can choose right. whether or not to pick up. And Qui-Gon actively wanted to teach Obi-Wan and Yoda. Right. So I think, great, he's going to answer their calls. But maybe Anakin doesn't have anything to say to his son, so Luke can try to commune. Yeah. But Anakin's not picking up, and that's like that's what my original thought of just uh, you maybe like does he like cool we celebrate on Endor, and then I'm gonna go learn something as a spirit on the other side, you know, and doesn't appear to Luke for a while, but then this addresses that he that he clearly did. Now I want uh, the, I want the the Anakin Luke book, yeah, <laughs> of just their conversation. Yeah, well, that great Kevin Scott short story, and from a certain point of view, also mm-hmm. really has uh, Obi Wan feeling fractured in time as he enters the cosmic force. Right. Yeah. So oh, I yeah. feel like maybe. Anakin is sort of scattered in time uh, throughout his life mm-hmm. and throughout the, the more than his life, the entire everything that has ever existed and ever will and ever might, yeah. uh, but feels this call and knows he needs to be there in this moment yeah. to show his, his son that he, that he survived, yeah. that he, that he lives on. But it does make me feel like, yeah, there's storytelling to be had. Does Is there a story somewhere in this vast space between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens where Luke faces something where he is once again tempted by the dark side? Yeah. And it is truly only his father's spirit who can point him toward the way out. Yeah. Of that situation. And then, and then just, just, oh, wow, we're spinning this off. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> My final thought was like, does Anakin at any point go, yeah, here's what happened. You want to know what Obi-Wan did? Yeah, I was bad, but here's here's the whole thing because not a lot of people know the Mustafar fight, you know. And like, and does Luke even get more like? Well, that's not what he told me. <laughs> yeah, know? like, is there any of those little details? I don't know. Or is it really like you know Obi Wan sitting on a log speech is like, yeah, he, you need this information. You're right. you're going to go off in bad directions if I don't just give it to you. And you're at a place where I need you to explain myself. Yeah. You know, is it almost a little bit more like that where like, you know, Luke is searching for the truth and, you know, Anakin just, you know, right. you know, appears before him and is like, this is where, you know, your grandmother and I lived and yeah. just yeah. go there and feel her presence, you know? Yeah. Just retracing his steps and letting Luke okay. learn what he needs to, you know, emotionally. It's yeah, so interesting. it's so it's so deep. It's yeah, so and, and then, of course, you get into the whole big like if An- if Anakin has this power, why is he not appearing to right. Kylo and going, no, no, that's not me in the helmet, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's there. You might sense something in that helmet, but that's not me. I'm Anakin. Yeah. Skywalker. My name is Anakin and I'm a real boy. <laughs> My name is Anakin and I'm a force spirit. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so we could talk about this forever, and yeah, we, we probably will. 
big, big mm. bullet point question that a lot of fans are, are reacting to is, do you think this is setting up uh, or increasing the odds that Anakin will have an episode nine appearance? Yeah, I'll, I'll say increasing the odds, but much like Disney only losing 3% on Galaxy's Edge, <laughs> it's a tiny increase. I still don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I want it in, in some way if it works and it's executed properly, of course, but yeah, I don't think it's setting it up at all, but it, it makes it uh, an intriguing possibility. Yeah, I am training myself to let go of what I want. Yeah, I, I want the force spirit of Anakin to appear. I personally want him to appear as a source of, mm. of wisdom, a source of experience, right. maybe uh Ray meditating and really trying to connect with, you know, this thousands, thousand years, uh, you know, mm-hmm. generations live inside you yeah, and really trying to connect with everything that you can know. To me, I would love that. I know, mm-hmm. I know fans who like have the theory that Rise of Skywalker means that she's going to pull Anakin's spirit back into corporeal uh, reality and he'll kick the Emperor's ass and like uh, uh, everybody can Star Wars the way they want to Star Wars. For yeah. me, I love the idea of the uh, previous generations handing off their knowledge. So yeah. I re- it seems so appropriate to me to have the spirit of Anakin have a few words of wisdom for the next generation. Yeah. Is a, it, to me, a perfect tribute to the end of the Skywalker saga. And the chosen if they're, one. If, if, they're, if they're going out of their way to put in a book, yeah, no, uh, their spirits guided me yeah. for many years. To me, it, it, it increases my hope. Good. Hope's good. And good's hope. Hope, hope good. Hope good. That's hope the message good. of this uh, episode. Hope good. All right. We're only going to talk about a little bit more because, again, we could talk for absolutely yeah, yeah. ever. Uh, but let's get into some of the Kylo Ren stuff because that was yeah. one of the other interesting pages. Uh, Luke says uh, about Kylo, he burned our temple to the ground and slaughtered any students who refused to follow him to the dark side. So that's a duplication of information we get in Last Jedi, but with a different shade of mm-hmm. specifically saying, like, Follows me to the dark side or I'll kill you. And right. having some of them go, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Um, do you think that those students who did follow him, who left with him, do you think they are the Knights of Ren? I, I, I think more and more that's the case there. I, I still go back and forth in my, my head if I want the Knights of Ren to be Force-sensitive or Force-users on any level. Um, I like uh, going to Wendig's Acolytes of Beyond where they weren't. Yeah. Maybe of masks and everything aside. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit kind of force aware, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, um, sure, Emily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it just I, I, I'm not con- you know I don't have a hard line stance on either direction. Yeah, but if say in nine, let's just say Kylo shows up and his buddies from the Knights of Ren are there, and suddenly they're all you know extending lightsabers. You know, uh, I, then I would expect Ray would need some help, and maybe that comes. You know what I mean? In the yeah. form of, of other kind of force sensitive people. But I, so I almost it almost is too big of an idea. Yeah. But but then this, even going back to Episode Eight, and some of the stuff that Luke and Kylo tell us, it it it, it does make sense that some of them would become Knights of Ren. Yeah, because if they're not Knights of Ren, where are they? What are they up to? Mm-hmm. You know, I can see. I, I actually think we're going to get a lot of this storytelling in that uh, Charles Sewell comic book, yeah. Rise of oh, Kylo yeah, Ren. I think, that, I think this will particularly, if they are Knights of Ren or if they're not, one thing that occurred to me is like the way Snoke so venerates the title of Master of Ren in mm-hmm. Force Awakens and says, even you, you know, Master of the Knights of mm-hmm. Ren has never faced a challenge like this. I can picture some sort of uh, Snoke torture mm. where like Kylo comes to him with these students and he's like, well, I mean, 
you're this the you have the Skywalker blood, but are you really mm. the master of the dark side? Slaughter all the others to prove to me that you are the best. Like maybe yeah. Kylo had to cut through them to get the title. That's interesting. I like that. Little, yeah. Little Joker putting a broken uh, cube uh, pull stick. Uh, yeah. Down. Okay. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to think about like what's interesting storytelling to do with these fallen yeah. Jedi who maybe didn't have their hearts in the dark side. Where we're just like, <laughs> join us or die. And Ben's, Ben's going a little bit wonky. Um, <laughs> For once having somebody answer join us or die with join. Got yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely my choice. All right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that uh, that comic book. We could spin off another yeah. 40 minutes right here. So yeah, other nights of Ren three that is fun to me is like if they are some force users, just the total asshole move that Kyle's like, but no lightsabers for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's, there's something about that too. <laughs> uh, so also on the Kylo Ren topic, uh, he says uh, Luke says Leia could see the darkness taking hold of her son and entrusted me with helping Ben find balance. In that context, how are you interpreting balance? Oh, man, I, the, the word balance with the force is, mystifies me because it goes back to what we were discussing earlier. What, who does the force root for? You know, yeah. I mean, people can and, and do use it wrong. So, and then the balance of Luke, uh, excuse me, Anakin destroys the Sith, bringing balance to the force. Okay, but. Or Senteca says there has to be Jedi. Does that mean there have to be? You know, it spins me off in a lot of confusion. Yeah, there can be no balance without the Jedi. Yeah. So I think maybe just some balance in Ben himself, uh, choosing the light side, but acknowledging who you are, what you are, and what potential you have, and being at peace with it. Maybe more peace than balance in this context. Uh, I also just love that Leia. It's been. I think they they touch upon a little bit aftermath, right? When Leia was uh, in so many of those books, but Leia was was. They could sense some darkness. Oh, yeah. But I love that Leia was in tune to that. She would be on many levels. First, being a mother and then being force-sensitive herself and Vader's Anakin's kid. Yeah, it all makes sense. But I, I really intrigued of, of like, uh, dark to, hey, Luke, you mind taking over here? <laughs> yeah. That's a tough spot for Skywalker. Yeah, I don't know how to, yeah, yeah. do that, uh, yeah. especially if, uh, if we follow the bloodline track of he didn't know Vader was his grandfather. He didn't know he had this legacy. Yeah. He's angry. At being lied to, um, especially if she sensed stuff was coming, and like you know, I just went to some medical test because I want to see: do I have this in my family? <laughs> you know, yeah, I, 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 well, I absolutely understand why Ben would be like, "You didn't tell me." Yeah, I was already on the path. Yeah, I like how this. Like, we don't know how this works either. Is it yeah. just? Is it? He made choices, and we yeah. all have to make them. And yeah. if you have that much power, or is there something like? And it seems to be the storytelling we're having so far is like. He can feel that yeah. temptation, that pull to answer that call to the dark side since birth. Yeah. Uh, which is extremely interesting to me. But in terms of finding balance, I, I've been getting uh, more and more into that idea of what balance is. Did a Star Wars counseling episode about it uh, a while ago. But in this context, it really does feel like, okay, uh, if you repress the darkness, if we just yell at you going like, don't be like Vader, mm-hmm. don't do that. Oh, did you just get the temptation to know what yeah. it would feel like to snap somebody's neck? Well, then just put it in a box and don't ever open that box and just go to like traditional, yeah. <laughs> from my perspective, Midwest repression. Yeah. Like That's not the path of just like yeah. feel it, yeah, know it, accept it, mm-hmm. don't be ashamed of it, but yeah. don't act on it because you'll hurt people and you will hurt mm-hmm. yourself if you act on it. Like yeah. that to me seems like what Luke 
would have tried to do. Yeah. And say, here are some tactics for managing it. When you feel rage, here's how you can suppress it so you don't act on it, but don't deny it. Smart take on that. I, I go to my you know, lifelong battle with depression and in the real, real throes of it, I, I had to go like I, you have to acknowledge that it's the, it's there today. Yeah. I, it has come back and I'm going to go eat 12 donuts and <laughs> dance with this devil. Yeah, because if I don't. I've had it come back so much more powerfully when I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, I'm not good. And yeah, I love what you're saying here of Luke. All right, Ben, not Kyle. Calm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have this. You're going to have to learn to live with it. Yeah. Versus swatting away, swatting away, swatting away. Maybe that's what Luke tried. I don't know. Yeah. He failed. He keeps saying he failed. Luke does. So there's a lot of storytelling to be had there. Yeah. Great big questions to be answered. And potentially great rhythms with Anakin of Sidious yeah. telling him the half truth, but lying to him like, well, the Jedi are, are telling you to ignore this. And I'm telling you, it's just a pathway to right. do. It's just a different skill set. <laughs> Whatever, you know, just which is adding to your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> resume. Yeah. Yeah. And to see the imagine Snoke doing that of like, they all don't want you to look to the left. Yeah. They're keeping that from you. They're frightened of you. Because that's mm-hmm. where your true power is. You can see more and more how Kylo would go like, okay, I'll look over there. And now yeah. I'm just in pain and tortured constantly. Yeah. Poor Kylo. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of pain and torment, uh, as we come to wrapping up, uh, I was intrigued by this passage too. When Luke is discussing uh, his choices to go to Octo, uh, it's on the same page where Ray is, is coming to Octo. And he says, it was clear I was not fit to be a Jedi master, but I had finally realized a difficult truth. No one was. So how do you in, uh, interpret that realization? Uh, w- why do you think Luke comes to that specific idea of not just I failed, right. but because I lost, because I had a, an explicit mis- mission of keep Ben from the dark side and whoops, I actually accidentally drove him closer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I failed, but also the idea of even trying to be a Jedi master is a bad idea. I, I, I very intrigued to see how, how he at post last Jedi, if this, you know, depending on the spirit, Luke wrote this, if he comes to a different realization of that same truth of, yeah, in a way we all are, you know, we, at one point you learn every adult just faking it, trying to find an answer, right? <laughs> we all don't have yeah. those answers, but that doesn't mean you don't try to be an adult. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, you don't pack it all in because, well, no one knows. Um, you still try to seek it out. So I think he's right. I, I, I understand it. We are in a role that we we cannot. Uh, it's impossible to succeed at, but you still have to try to succeed and and approach it in a different way. And I think that's a little bit what Yoda does when he shows up in aid of like, here's you know a different perspective on some of it, and we're gonna grow, they're gonna grow past us. All those great things with with Yoda. Um, so yeah, there, this this is another one of those sections I would love to just dive into the philosophy of it. Yeah, I don't think he's wrong. I don't think Luke's wrong about anything of the Jedi, but. It's how you look at it. Yeah, a little bit of how you focus determines reality. But if like if you're like grumpy and you're looking at this, you're gonna be like no one. But if you're in a more positive light, is no one really can? But we're gonna keep trying to figure out how to like balance. That's that's a weird balance. Yeah, yeah. I think that, and I think Jennifer spoke eloquently about this when we're discussing a lot of the Last Jedi about like it is a good parent analogy Mm -hmm. of like no one can be the perfect parent, but that doesn't mean you don't try uh so i think there's a lot of that i I love tracking luke's story and some of this is is being headcanon for me of 
what Yoda is trying to get through to him in Empire Strikes Back is, you know, a Jedi must have, you know, the most serious mind, the deepest commitment. Mm. And that he really took that to heart. Yeah. And it's like, really, I must be, I must study and study and learn the past and be perfect. Yeah. And that Luke held himself up to a, you know, a, a, a an idea that is impossible to attain, that yeah. perfection. Yeah. That kind of perfection. But it's one thing when, you know, you're trying to do that in your assistant manager, uh, you know, auto lube or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. different when you wield an insane amount of power. Right. Yeah. And I think to me, that's what's really intriguing. And there's been some great discussion of this in some of the canon books about Jedi storytelling of this idea of we have all of this power, which means we have to choose how to use it. Mm. And if we use it in any correct way, incorrect way. Mm. we'll cause more damage and this kind of even larger idea of we have power but we can't want more power Mm. because that desire to become more and more powerful or to hold on to our power it's why the jedi were willing to just kind of go like what what do you want us to do galactic republic because we don't want to lead the galaxy we're not about having power we're about knowledge and defense right we don't want to make the decisions because having power so to me it gets to this point where luke decides that hey, having this power is too dangerous at all. So mm. no one should have this power. Mm. No one should pass it on. It's what he's trying to get through to Ray when he's like, it's hubris to say that, that the yeah. balance between the light and the dark won't be there or that the light will disappear if the Jedi are there, yeah. which I think is all interesting thoughts. And I can see how Luke would come to that. But this is, again, why I love The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Because Ray, Leia, R2, Yoda, everyone gets through to Luke of saying like, I understand you're upset, man, but power is a responsibility. Yeah. And if you have it, it is your responsibility to use it for good. You're going to make some mistakes sometimes. And just, again, just to be so profound that he's like, okay, power is dangerous. Yeah. But if you have it, you have to use it. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. And and again, I hope that's the last page of the Secrets of the Jedi. (laughs) Yeah. Choose the light, man. Choose the light. Choose the light and use your power well. All right. So uh, do you have any other thoughts before we start wrap up? No, uh, there's this is spinning my head off into a lot of things. And I'm not one that usually dives into the Jedi lore, the Force lore as much as others. But it's very intriguing stuff because it all this modern storytelling of Star Wars. You just said it. Why I love The Last Jedi. Uh, Why I love that. Ryan had answered this question of why did the greatest hero in the galaxy run away? And what does that mean? Like, it's all big stuff. Yeah. Maybe not all perfect answers for everyone out there, but it's fun to tackle this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, to wrap up our conversation on this, what other Jedi secret do you want to know that you hope is in this book? (laughs) Do you want to know how their aqua breathers work? I, I cut. There's some technical <laughs> stuff of uh, you know early lightsabers, and all right, you get the kyber crystals, but what are you going to put it in? And I, mean, I know there's some EU legend type stuff of like some early designs that have like a cord. Like when I used to have to record with a camcorder plugged into my portable VCR in high school, yeah. you know, for film class, <laughs> for film oh, production yeah. class, early janky yeah. lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's some of those kind of technical secrets I want to know. Um, but as far as secrets. There's something buried there in that uh, library beneath. You know, there's some kind of bad things that they're sometimes put on the in the back locker room. Oh, okay. I want to know the dirt. Okay, you want to see the the books that maybe Luke didn't bring to the library. The office romances (laughs) and all these kind of things. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, For myself, I uh, hope for some mention of Terrace Nube. (laughs) 
Yeah. The old Jedi with the lightsaber cane. I love him. Um, and then I think this is a little bit of a speculate responsibly prediction. Yeah. I think there is the possibility that uh, the lightsaber, uh, not lightsaber, but the Jedi robes as modest farmer wear mm-hmm. will be put in the old cannon box because this is a thought that I had. I, yeah. Matt Martin from the story group tweeted about it in, in a while back and he was yeah. like, "Just this has always been my thought of just like, they're farmer robes. They're they're the plain, you know, not ornate, not fancy mm-hmm. wear of the galaxy. It'd be interesting if that was finally locked into place in this book. The cup of the carpenter, the robe of a space farmer. Yeah, the secrets <laughs> of the Jedi robes. <laughs> that is what we want. So that is a, just a look at a few passages from four pages. So when this book comes out, get ready for a nine-hour episode See, of Force Center. I love when we can do that, and you're out there listening can do that, too. This, the, the Yaddle illustration uh, inspires conversation. Uh, thank you, Joseph, for taking us through. We are definitely going to be diving into this book when it comes on out. Now it's time to dive into audience questions like this one from Joshua Thorne on Facebook. In Revenge of the Sith, Palpatine leaks Grievous's location requested Anakin be the one to go after him, but is that what he really wanted? If so, why? All right. We'll love some good Palpatine strategy yeah. thoughts here. What do you think yeah. about Grievous and Anakin? I think that Palpatine is, is moving towards his let's upset Anakin from as many ways as possible so he can finally break him because he knows it's happening sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that he is setting up this conflict uh, because he is pretty sure the Jedi are not going to send Anakin. Yeah. Uh, he knows that the Jedi do not like uh, the uh, Galactic Senate or the Chancellor getting involved in Jedi decisions, like which Jedi to send. Right. So I think he leaks it to Anakin on, on purpose and tells Anakin in the scene, like, I'd question their wisdom if they didn't yeah. send you. And then in the, the actual scene in the council, Anakin says the Chancellor has requested that you send me. So I think uh, Palpatine's just savvy enough to know that Anakin's not going to be their choice, and it's just going to piss off Anakin and turn him against the Jedi. 100%. Palpatine is, is so good at uh, being one, two, three, ten steps ahead, and then occasionally I think there's along the way, uh, a lot of times he has to improvise. So I don't know, maybe maybe if if the council sent Anakin, then he'd have to be like, wow, well, mm, um, Anakin, is that good? That's beneath you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think he rolls with he the, rolls the with improv it. too, because like, I don't think that he has a step-by-step vision. I don't no. think he no. knows that, that Mace and the other Jedi are coming, but I think he's like knows, like, I've got Anakin primed. Yeah. I've got Order 66 ready to go. Grievous is dead. I can finally... Grievous is dead. Dooku's out of the way. I can finally do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think he would have just totally improvised. If if Anakin went uh, to Utapau and killed Grievous, I think Anakin would have got a hollow of Obi-Wan and Padme together to, you know, flare up Anakin's jealousy. He would have done something else to keep pushing Anakin toward the edge of the cliff that he was so close to. It's a Palpatine choose your own adventure. Yeah. (laughs) Jay Beasley 777 reaches out on Twitter and says, would you be open to seeing Gwendolyn Christie take on a new character in the Star Wars universe? I asked because some of my friends have said their disappointment with Phasma is the character uh, as the character felt like a waste of Christie's talent. When I suggest there's nothing preventing Christie from playing a new character, they say they wouldn't be able to accept it as she's permanently associated with Phasma in their minds. I disagree. But then I realized seeing James Earl Jones show up in Star Wars separate from Vader would definitely be a distraction for me. Obviously, actors playing multiple characters in Star Wars is a, is a Star Wars tradition, but where do we draw the line and does it ever become a distraction for you? Fair question. Mm-hmm. I love this idea from Jay Beasley. Uh, I, I, yeah, and I'm initially re- resistant to the idea. Yeah. If it's major, 
you know, Jeremy Bullock showing up as an Imperial officer in Cloud City or Ben Burt appearing several spots. Even yeah. our pal Nathan Hamill appearing in two spots in Star Wars movie. Um, I'm fine with all that because it's small, it's, fun, and cameos. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it because I love Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah. But I, 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 I'm kind of seeing his friend's point. You? Yeah. Uh, I can see the point immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my first choice, if I just got to wave my hand, is like, hey, a couple of years from now, let's do a Phasma Disney right. Plus series and just spend a little bit more quality time uh, with Phasma and really let Gwendolyn Christie shine in that role. Um, and if not, I just I kind of feel like this is a uh, time heals all wounds. If, if she gets cast in something 10 years from now, mm-hmm. she's older, got a different edge, a different perspective, then I don't care. Yeah. I think, like, yes, if she was, you know, one of the principals in The Mandalorian as just a different character, it would, it would be a little challenging. Yeah. But I think with time, not a problem. I, 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 in the end, I'm, I'm with that, especially because I'm really such a fan of her work. But, yeah, I get initially right now. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And they would, she wouldn't be... You know, short, blonde hair. They'd probably put a, you know. Yeah. Maybe she plays an alien. But yeah. then again, then you lose, uh, maybe see her Tegruda, face. Gwendolyn Christie. There yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, it could work. Uh, thank you, Jay Beasley. Continue that discussion with your friends. Uh, on Patreon, Alden Diaz writes us and says, Hey, I'm curious about your respective fandoms and feelings during the period after episode three, but before the Disney purchase. Were you hopeful that more movies would ever be made? Did you ever buy into any rumors or theories? And how did you personally keep your heart in it? A lot of big, mm, big thoughts yeah. during this time, a long stretch of time. I've varying different kind of emotions to this answer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, yeah, this is a, uh, I'll keep it short cause this is, uh, something that I've been thinking about that maybe we could talk about in a, in a longer episode mm-hmm. of this, this period of time. Um, but for me in terms of the, how did I keep my heart in it? It was never a question of keeping my heart in it and been thinking about this time period a lot and just like still bought action figures and, you know, my wife got me bed sheets and, uh, mm-hmm, yeah. I wrote a lot of different comedy things that involve Star Wars in some way. Cause it was, I don't know. It, it is like, uh, moving away from a, a chunk of my soul. Like it, yeah. it's just embedded too deep in me. Like if there, if the Clone Wars ended in 2012 and Star Wars was gone, I would still think and talk about Star Wars. Yeah. Obviously, we we wouldn't uh, have as much to actively talk about yeah. on a podcast, but it would still be in my heart always kind of yeah. thing. Um, and in terms of the wondering about the future, I did actively think a lot about Lucas was so clear when Sith came out that that's it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he made Clone Wars, which, you know, I wasn't actively watching. Yeah. But it really felt like. Eh, I'm not interested in looking forward in even the rumblings of the live show. The development of the live show was pre-original trilogy. So it was really like, I just want to, I'm interested in this time period. I want to play in it. Return of the Jedi is the end of the story. Mm -hmm. And the main thing I always thought was, I wonder what George Lucas's will is going to be. That's what I honestly thought. Mm. I honestly thought Mm. in his will, will he say no one else can ever make Star Wars? Or will he say, you know what? If somebody else wants to play in my sandbox, go ahead. And I really didn't think that in just a few years he would make that decision that he would be okay letting other people create in his sandbox. And to me, that was, you know, the big thrill of like, I expect, I hope to be alive. (laughs) I I, I hope to live a little bit longer than this, but like, (laughs) I thought it would be decades is the, is the short way of saying it. I thought it would be decades until Lucas made that decision if he was ever going to make that decision. So I was thrilled that he made it as early as he did. Yeah. 
Gotta remember that day. Um, yeah, that, no, you're saying a lot of things that are, are connecting and, and make me think of things too. Like, there was definitely a sense that it was in the rearview mirror, even with Clone Wars. And I, and I know I eventually, after the first season, I watched regularly. It was still kind of like, eh, this is fun. Yeah. And I didn't see the movie in theaters like you, you did in your I experience. Um, but that's an example. I didn't see it in theaters because so I was just like, no, 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 I've got my Star Wars. Now, uh, I, you know, the Legends EU stuff was going strong and right. everything. And I didn't dive into it. But I, I always try to give it all credit because that kept the flame for a lot of people. And yeah. it brought a lot of people into it. So even a little joke I'll hear, make here and there, I get its place. It just it didn't seem like Star Wars to me. And again, it was in this kind of rearview mirror. It was a big rearview mirror, and it was a part of my life, but it wasn't until the post-sale that I bought all of the T-shirts. Now, I was still along the way buying toys. I have a couple totes in my new house <laughs> right now uh, that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I, I always was buying them. Uh, in 2010, 2011, there's a weird comic toy shop that opened up in the mall that worked at, and I'd pop in every day. Yeah. But I remember when the Black Series stuff came out, I was like, yeah, I'm good. And I went back later, I'm like, hey, you got that mall? Or, you know, we sold out. <laughs> Damn it. Um, as far as other stuff, yeah, I never thought we'd see that. I never thought we'd see the day. And I thought about the idea, and I, I may have told the story before, but I, I have... I paperwork to back it, but I, about 2011, I started working on a spec script idea for something probably called like the Rise of Rebellion. Yeah, and I went to Mark Riley and I said, hey, "I got this little story idea. I'm starting to put it together." And he, he were poking on some things. I swear in my life, I have it. I had a Vader hallway scene. I yeah. swear in my life. <laughs> um, and a couple friends of mine were like, "What are you doing? Like, no, they're never." I was like, no, just to have it, just to show somebody. Maybe I get in to get another project. Like, they're, no one's going to read a Star Wars spec script. Yeah. And I was like, you're right. Put it on the sh-. And then uh, <laughs> that, that day, 2012, I, I, I never thought I'd see the day, yeah. which is part of the reason I have such joy for this now. And you have joy for it, all of us, because it's like, I'm in bonus time. Yeah. I This is overtime. This is extra innings. This is any sports reference you want to make, but the game <laughs> continuing, I never thought we'd be here. Yeah. It's a great time. Yeah. It's this uh, great spirit of Star Wars that Lucas literally let go. Yeah. And said other people play. I, I, wanted, I made this because I wanted mm-hmm. to see it because there was nothing like it. And I want other generations to see something like this. And he should, yeah. should understandably still be uh, somewhat grumpy about maybe it. I, I get it. You yeah. know, like he has his faves. He, yeah, he's he's eating of, at the buffet like everybody else. That's part of letting go. <laughs> yeah. It's never easy to let go. Good God. No. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's powerful. Great question. Alden. Like, yeah, Jeff said, we'll probably have to dive into this a little bit more different eras of star Wars fandom. Final thought today comes from Alex Lloyd on Patreon. It says I saw the Phantom Menace when it first came out and I was eight years old. I didn't hate Jar Jar at all. I even thought he was sometimes funny i didn't love him just thought he was fine then the internet happened or i discovered the internet and i felt bad for the character and all those involved ever since be kind internet be kind so use the internet to be kind let's embrace jar jar in the inaugural installment of four center data bank klutz and any non-prequel trilogy film uh what would be the perfect moment in an extra extra special edition <laughs> to insert jar jar binks to change the fate of the galaxy for better or worse so Putting Jar Jar back into the story, a little, little bit of redemption for the character and the performer, all those kind of things. Where, where are you putting Jar Jar? Yeah, yeah. Th- this is tempting because there's a lot of good places for him. Uh, canon-wise, we leave him off in uh, Windig's Aftermath at that little interstitial yep. where we learn he is a basically a impoverished clown mm-hmm. uh, on the streets of Theed because pe- he was ostracized by the Gungans mm-hmm. for his role in uh, causing the Empire to uh, ascend. Uh, and he makes friends with, you know, an orphan. Yeah. Uh, so 
here's what I imagine. I imagine Jar Jar and this boy go on to form an actual performance troupe to do like clowning and yeah. travel the galaxy. Mm. They get off Naboo and they travel places. They pick up weird items. They, uh, they get paid different things and you get to force awakens and, uh, Han asks Maz, where did you get that lightsaber? Mm. And Ma says, it's a story for a different time. But then we cut to Jar Jar's troop of clowns performing at Maz's <laughs> castle. And he's got a weird trunk full of different things they've picked up. And Maz just senses something. And uh, Jar Jar picks up his trunk and oh, ooh, uh, he, oh he clutches uh, around. Oh, he ignites that blade, the hero's blade. And goes, Misa don't know what this is. And Maz is like, I do. I do. And takes the blade. Give that to me. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> oh man, that was a, that was that was truly data bank klutz. <laughs> I I I love too the idea you got the you know he could go around the galaxy spreading the word of resistance is needed too through yeah. the arts. Yeah. That's pretty powerful too. <laughs> I do love the idea of episode nine opening up with uh Everyone at Leia's, uh, you know, in front of Leia, so to speak, uh, she, she dresses everybody. She goes, we have one final bit of help, one person out in the galaxy, one creature. And she sends him to uh, Naboo. And we return to Naboo. And uh, Jar Jar has amassed a, a, another uh, kind of resistance army full of these orphans or yeah. Gungans who see the light. And, and they take solace and Claude's there, uh, <laughs> the new creature we're getting. And, uh, and he helps form a new army of the resistance. Still bumbling Jar Jar, but much older? Or yeah, is this yeah. grizzled warrior Mad Max yeah, Jar Jar? Still bumbling, trying hard, okay. but bumbling with some, uh, you know, some of them uh, bombs, little blue bombs there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, still, yeah. A little, little weight, put on, not quite bat, boss nass, but a little, little, a little, little, a little weight, yeah. a little paunch of authority yeah, 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 from absolutely. clumsy Jar Jar Binks. That's awesome. <laughs> Leading the resistance army and performing throughout the galaxy. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Alex, uh, for that question. Alden, Jay Beasley, Joshua as well. If you have a question for us or want to join the conversation of this episode, go to Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Like our Facebook page. Our website is ForceCenterPod.Podomatic.net. You can follow us on Instagram as well. Uh, merch. We have merch. tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Tweet us your merch picks and we'll reshare. Podcast available in several spots, including Podomatic, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and more. Just search for it on your favorite podcast app. If it's not there, let us know. We'll try to get it to that location. We're on YouTube as well. The animated databank brawls have been rebroadcasting some of these recent Star Wars ranks. Uh, get back to some of the rebroadcasting some of the databanks as well. And more coming there. So that is the, where to reach us, where to talk to us. Where to support us, Joseph, is over on Patreon. That is right. We're always uh, looking for more support on Patreon to help us keep going, help us build toward new goals. So if that's something you might be interested in, go check it out and read up on what it's all about. It's at patreon.com slash force center. We got our own stuff going on. That's right. We're not just all about Star Wars, except for on <laughs> August 24th, I'll be hosting a screen of Star Wars <laughs> Episode 4 New Hope with the Central Coast Film Society. Go to centralcoastfilmsociety.org. Tickets still available. It's in my hometown of Arroyo Grande, California, on my high school campus. Come watch Star Wars with me. Mm, exciting stuff there. Uh, you can find me on the old Twitter and Instagram at at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, uh, for a bunch of stuff, uh, comedy albums, uh, book, uh, podcasts. Uh, in particular, I really, really enjoyed this most recent episode of Obsessed I did with one of my friends who uh, is a director and animator for Tigtone, the adult swim show I work on. 
he came on to discuss chaos magic, and I discussed different ways I could meditate with my action figures. So exciting, exciting stuff. And then uh, coming up soon, I will be uh, at Dragon Con in Atlanta, hoping to get out the details about that. But in theory, got some fun Star Wars stuff happening there. Again, info on all my stuff will always be uh, on social media or on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. Outstanding. That is it for this week. We have a lot to learn from the secrets of the Jedi. They're all going to be revealed. We'll see you next time here on Force Center. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.